0: Here's what's coming today on the Woodworking Network podcast.
1: Yeah, it was sudden, just jumping into it. Uh, but I, with with as much stress as it comes with, I I I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Welcome to the fourth season of the Woodworking Network podcast and a new episode. Join us as we explore the business of woodworking, big and small, and what it takes to succeed. I'm Will Sampson. Today's episode is sponsored by WoodPro Expo Florida. Today our guest is Nick Stoltzfus, president of Keystone Wood Specialties, talking about taking over management of his company from his father, the late Sam Stoltzfus, who founded it. But first, I want to talk about what happened to the family business. People talk often about the so-called American dream, which is typically defined as having reliable employment so you can be able to buy a home and live in relative comfort to raise a family. But for some, there's another version, which I call the American business dream. The American business dream was founded on the entrepreneurial spirit that helped create and grow this country. The idea was you could surpass the promise, the original American dream, by starting a successful business rather than just going to work for someone. The business dream was to create a business that prospered so well that successive generations of your family could take it over and run it so they too could achieve the American business dream. Of course, lots can get in the way of achieving that dream. It's not easy starting a business and making it successful. Getting past the first five or ten years of any new business is an achievement all by itself, much less thinking about keeping it viable and profitable for generations to come. Fast-changing technology and ever-morphing customer whims make it even harder. Will the products you created to start the company still be in demand for generations to come? Will you be able to adapt with new products under the umbrella of a multi-generational business? Today, it seems the modern American business dream is more about creating a company based on new disruptive product that decimates some pre-existing industry. Then grow your company as fast as possible, take it public, cash out, and hand it over to new managers that have no relation to you or your family. Finally, it's on to early retirement or the next business challenge. Call it the get-rich-quick modern American business dream. Still, I regularly run across successful, multi-generational business stories in the woodworking industry, and I just love to share them. It's a joy to see and hear the pride of a business founder who has successfully turned the company over to his or her offspring, who in turn dream of building up the company for their progeny. And the new generation exudes admiration for what their parents accomplished as the younger folks face challenges of their own. It's not easy. Friction between generations, changing customer demands, and a growing list of just garden variety business challenges like cash flow all conspire to defeat the dream of a multi generational business. I've read that businesses transferred from father to daughter often work better because. Dad will listen to his daughter, but feel challenged by a son. A new generation might be in better touch with new customers that the founder generation doesn't understand. And the ever-present, this is the way we've always done it, fights more progress. But when it works, a successful family business is a joy to behold. Once upon a time, I entertained that dream too, but I learned how difficult it can be. And I also learned that a parent can't be in control of their offspring's dreams. Often as not, the kid's version of the great American dream is quite different than mom and dad's. So I celebrate not only the success of healthy family businesses, but also the joy of seeing each new successive generation succeed on its own terms. I wanna get to our interview with Nick Stoltzfus But first, let's pause for a word from our sponsor. It's really easy for woodworkers to stay stuck inside, focused on their shops and production. But over the last couple of years, the pandemic has forced them to be even more isolated than usual. Now it's time to get out of the shop and resume life in the outside world, especially when it's a chance to network with your woodworking business peers. That opportunity is coming April 12th through 14th in West Palm Beach, Florida as the WoodPro Expo joins with closets, conference, and expo to offer an unparalleled opportunity to boost your business with intelligence on techniques, tools, and technology. Let's get face-to-face again. Learn more at woodproexpoflorida.com. See you there. Now let's get to our interview with Nick Stoltzfus. Note that this interview was recorded live at the WoodPro Expo in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and some of the audio is not exactly studio quality.
2: Hello, I'm Will Sampson from Woodworking Network and FDMC Magazine, and we are live at WoodPro Expo in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I am very pleased to have as my guest for Woodworking Podcast, Woodworking Network Podcast. Nick Stolpsfus from Keystone Wood Specialties. Yep. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Will. Glad to, glad to be here at the show. Well, your company has quite a heritage. Your father founded it. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the history of the company? And Yeah. And
1: all? Yeah. My, uh, this is actually our 50th year. Um, my, my dad started the company... Uh, back in '72, as uh, just uh, uh, him and his dad and a couple siblings, uh, he was making cabinets. Uh, so he started as
2: a cabinet. He shop. started
1: as a cabinet shop. <laughs> um, he he actually got his doors elsewhere. is uh, and Isn't that uh, ironic? <laughs> right. He got his doors elsewhere. He started out more like one of our customers uh... got his doors elsewhere and and made his own cabinets he would mainly stay back at the shop and uh... his couple of his buddies and his brother and his dad would do more of the uh, kitchen installs um, and it was probably about late seventies so maybe several years in that he decided to start making his own doors uh... and he told me that was like starting all over again he um, it, it was uh... very painful getting going and getting the equipment he needed um... Uh, going into debt, getting what, the equipment. What prompted
2: him to, to, um, to make that
1: change? Boy, I don't know. Ambition, I don't know.
2: <laughs> did, was he having a problem
1: with the supplier? Um, I, or anything? I, I don't think he was having a problem with the supplier uh i think he just uh he just had the ambition to do it um, and it, it took a while for him to get them to the quality level that he wanted uh well, and back there then was, too
2: it must have been just setting up shapers and and just making some well stuff and it takes it equipment. takes a
1: lot of it takes a lot of specialized equipment to make a good cabinet door and he found that out um, and uh but once he got his door quality to a point where he you know, was happy with it. Um, then he started selling to uh, other cabinet makers in the area asking him to make their doors. Um, after a while, he decided there was uh, more to be gained in the door business than the cabinet business and he decided just to stop making cabinets altogether.
2: Well, I always so, tell everybody in my talks on business that they, they need to do what they do best.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and that's where he felt his niche was. So he, he dropped the cabinet side of it and just focused on doors. And uh, he um, eventually uh, purchased the, the property where we're at now. It was a much smaller building back then. Um, uh, and uh, brought over the, the maybe 10 or 12 person crew that he had from the runk shop. That was back in uh, 84, 85, uh, that he moved from the runk shop, uh, to, uh, the property we have now on old Philadelphia Pike. Um, and then over the years, he added dovetail drawer boxes, face frames, molding, um, uh, just to create a whole comprehensive line of cabinet components.
2: Now today, um, you've got about
1: 75. We've got about 75 people. And how many square um, foot of production? About space? sixty thousand square feet. So over over the course of several years, he added on, uh, added on to the back of the shop. Several years later, added on to uh, our finishing room, um, and then several years later, our last addition was in '06 uh, when he put in the the rough mill. Um, so we're we're pretty much landlocked now. We don't have uh... very much room to grow space-wise uh... but we have a lot of capacity internally and efficiency wise to gain you
2: know are you running more than one shift? Or are you...
1: currently we're only running one shift uh... there's always the the idea of running a second shift we're not we're not there yet and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it
2: <laughs> so, so now uh... Your dad passed away just uh, what a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, uh,
1: about almost two years ago now, uh, December of oh, yes. 2020. Um, so, I'll kind of give you a little bit of background there, uh, not go too much in depth. But my my dad um, had muscular dystrophy. He he was wheelchair bound since his early 20s. Uh, so he actually didn't started stop and him built.
2: From doing nope, anything. I, I nope. always saw him at shows.
1: Oh yeah. in the
0: wheelchair all yeah. over
2: the place. Yeah. You'd
1: talk to him you'd never know it except he's sitting in a wheelchair. Right. Uh, but he he never once uh, you know let that stop him from doing what he wanted to do. Uh, he had a great team of people and and uh, you know it 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 worked for him. Um, and and I'll tell you the thing I admire most about my dad he I never once heard him complain about you know, not being able to do something, so yeah, now have you always been involved in the business, or not always? Uh, I mean, I grew up in the business, you know sweeping sweeping the shop floor, shredding paper as a kid. me and my brother would uh, compete to see how many bags of paper we could shred uh, back then he paid us by the by the bag, and we quickly <laughs> we quickly learned figured that one out, and then he had to change us to hourly. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so we, we started. I started out just working in the shop, um, odds and ends, putting the, the rubber spacers in indoors, uh, puttying boxes. Uh, summers in high school and college did, uh, uh, ran a lot of the equipment in there. Um, not, not everything, but enough to get my feet wet. Uh, so yeah, very much enjoyed it. And then I worked. Uh, after after college, I, I worked actually in the metal plating industry for a while, wow. uh, with absolutely no plans to come back to to Keystone.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah, um, it was uh, it was a journey. Um, what
2: brought you back
1: to Keystone? I I very I you know over over the years of just working in a different industry, I very much wanted to get back into woodworking. Wanted to. Uh, work with my dad um, I, I very much liked uh, how he treated his employees uh, and appreciated his employees and very much wanted to work at and and come back and help run a company that uh, that treated its people well um, yeah so I think over the course of several years when i was away god really put that on my heart um, i actually uh applied to get my mba um, when i was out near pittsburgh and uh uh figuring that if i would come back you know that that would help prepare me and right. uh you know that would kind of get me into business a little bit that would show me if that's what i wanted to do but uh, my wife and I made the decision to uh, scrap that plan uh, and just decided it would be better to work directly with my dad uh, than... So you got your MBA... So I, I, didn't, I didn't pursue that anymore. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I scrapped that plan. God had other plans for me.
2: That's so, all right.
1: Um, so. And I, I, I'll tell you, sorry to interrupt, I, I'll tell you the timing couldn't have been more right. Um, because that allowed me to have uh, four to five years of working very closely with my father, uh, to to learn the business side from him, and just live life with him before he passed. So
2: that's that's yeah. really good. That's good. Um. So today, Keystone. What's the product line variety now that you're offering? Yeah. A lot more than just doors now.
1: Yeah, so we're doors, uh, drawer boxes, base frames, molding. Um, We do we do pretty much in the everything in the kitchen except for the actual cabinet box. Um, We we have the rollout shelves, um, arched balances, all, all the kind of interior storage things you can dream up. Um, we might not have them all, you know, shown, but we do, everything we do is custom. If we get a, an order for, you know, someone draws up this type of box, we'll do it. A um, uh, lot of multi-light doors, mullion doors, uh, the, the curved ones, straight ones, um, what else? We, we offer we offer hardware, interior hardware, hinges, door slides, that kind of thing, um, to go along with, uh, and we, we do finishing as well, um, so uh, catalyzed conversion varnish, um, custom color matching, uh, something our, our customers really love that they can offer, uh, their the homeowner any any color They'd under the want. sun. That's, that's uh, great.
2: so yeah. So, so where are you taking the company? Are you, uh, uh, what what changes are you making? Yeah. Are you you, you
1: well, doing we're not, more automated production? Yeah, what we're going on? we're not we're not changing to make widgets. Okay. we're we're still going to make doors. Uh, we're we're sticking with our our, our current product line, uh, growing that. Um, we've a couple years ago now we. Uh, we redeveloped our purpose statement, uh, which is to help people find enjoyment in their work. Um, and that's really what we're focused on is helping our employees find enjoyment in, in you know whether it's uh, doing a different job in the company or grow, you know growing their own skills, uh, cross training, so go. the other the other piece of that is uh, focused on our customers, obviously, and what um, helping helping them do what they do best. So if you know if our, our if our customers love to do installs uh, and just dread making cabinet doors, we'll make your cabinet doors. Uh, if, you know if you already are making your cabinet doors and you know maybe it's this one type of mullion door that you know you just really dread let us make your cabinet doors. Solve and, the problems. Yep, and, and we're also focused on you know trying to eliminate uh, the hassles of working with their suppliers so we want, we want them to have a smooth install process we want them to have a smooth ordering process we're very focused on helping them and and helping if there's any issues, uh, helping them keep keep the homeowner satisfied. Uh, we have a great customer service team that uh, is knowledgeable about the products um, and is very focused in in just helping them with whatever issue arises or, or whatever.
2: Well, I um, I constantly talk to. Cabinet shops that are seem to be focused on on wanting to build everything themselves to the point that they're cutting their profit margins and they're having problems meeting promised delivery dates and all that. And I'd say, well, have you considered outsourcing? Because you know, here you get something a company like yours that lives and breathes making doors and drawers. Yeah. Um, you know, they surely have got to have. A better handle on it than you who are doing, you know, cabinets a third of the time, doors a third of the time, drawers right. a third of the
1: time. Well, and everybody's different. So we, we have such a wide variety of customers from the one-man cabinet shop to companies much, much larger than us who maybe just outsource one type of door. Right. Uh, so it, yeah, well, we deal with... Anyone and everyone in between. Um,
2: now production inside. Are you going to yeah. be changing anything, or are you, you?
1: Yeah, we're we're very equipment? much so. One one thing we've done in the last about a year ago, uh, I hired a lean engineer to uh, be uh, uh, my VP of operations, head up production, maintenance, that kind of thing, um, and. Uh, a lot of what we're focused on is our our quality program, and uh, our continuous improvement program, and getting everyone on the floor involved in a lot of that decision making, and in helping with the improvements in their departments. Uh, we've our our most recent major improvement was. Uh, uh, I'm sure you're very familiar with the uh, Bocce machines. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we put in, uh, uh, several months ago now, we put in the uh, Master Pro machine. Uh, and that has been a game changer for us in terms of our quality and efficiency. Uh, that, that's helped us really tighten our door size tolerances. Uh, where now our doors are within plus or minus five thousandths of an inch. Uh, I mean, its size is no longer an issue. Uh, for customers of ours who are putting in, doing inset jobs, that really makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. when, when you're when talking you're,
2: about a three millimeter reveal yeah, or something yep. like that.
1: So yeah. now, now that we can really maintain our, our uh, door sizes, that's huge um uh, so we're doing you know incremental improvements like that right now we're also uh, waiting on the, the shipment of a, a new molder um, which will uh, it's the power mat Winig power mat with the HSK heads mm-hmm. uh, and and the reason I brought that up was because that will help us uh, be able to with the quicker changeovers, that'll help us to be able to make our batch sizes smaller on the molder, which that feeds the whole shop. Right. right. And that'll have a huge improvement on our our capability to to meet deadlines with being able to streamline production through the shop from the very get-go.
0: Better so, flow situations.
1: That's yeah, that's, yeah that's so weird. we're just we're continually looking at Areas that we can just make some small, some major improvements along the way, and involving the whole team, not just not just the higher level. Uh, you know, I we want to include everybody on the floor because they're they're the real experts. I mean, I may have run, you know, I I ran the ripsaw back in high school for a <laughs> while, but. I mean, the the guys who are actually on the floor—they're they're the they're the real experts. Uh, so we're really focused on getting everybody involved in a lot of those improvements.
2: Now, looking outside of, of Keystone, how is as all we keep hearing about all these supply chain issues? Yeah, are you able to get the, the supplies you need? We are in
1: no you need? we are in no means immune to the supply chain issues. Uh, we, we do our best, uh, we, we uh, recently we, we are, uh, one of our employees is transitioning into the, the purchasing and inventory role, um, which is new to us, but having someone focused on the supply chain is uh, pretty huge. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a continual challenge and it's always something you least expect it to be. Uh, it's, it's something new comes up that you didn't expect, but uh, we're, we're trying to stay on top of it. Unfortunately, that means sometimes having a higher inventory level than I'd want to see. Uh, but we, we have I to heard do. heard people
2: say that they've gone from just in time to just in case. <laughs> yeah, exa- well, exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, in some cases, in some cases, you, you have to, and that that makes it tough on cash flow. Uh, but but you have to do what you know we we don't want to run into a situation where we can't provide our customers uh, with cabinet doors uh, you know there there's uh, shortages with MDF can be a problem um, hardware can be a problem uh, yeah we're in no means immune but we, we're doing what we can to try to keep a consistent lead time
2: yeah, uh, yeah. no it's uh, I, I hear every shop seems to complain about it and it is frustrating because as soon as they solve one thing like, oh, okay, now we're getting undermount drawer slides, okay, uh, then there's something else. There's a particular species of wood or something that is a problem. And and then, of course, prices is up and down and mostly up uh, everywhere too. And uh,
1: one one thing I was talking with our suppliers about recently is uh, white oak. Because uh, that is, um, with, with the, just all the changes in wood prices, uh, white oak, specifically quartered and rift white oak, just um, they're right now holding steady, uh, but they're in high demand and low supply.
2: Yeah. yeah it seems to be it's um, like a fad for seems, Yeah. There's
1: right there's a fad for it, and there's only, from what I've learned, there's only a few select sawmills that have the capability to efficiently uh, cut the way that that the log to needs to be cut figured, to get the yeah. rip. Mm-hmm. So that's why those continue to be in such short supply.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's. I'm sure it's uh, plenty of challenges. Lots of fun stuff for you to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A few challenges that probably aren't so much fun.
1: It's. It's fun. I. You know. I. It. It can be stressful at times, uh, especially. You know, just jumping into it. I mean, I learned a lot from my dad in the in the you know handful of years that we were working together. Uh, but it was uh, very sudden when he passed, and just kind of jumping into it. Uh, I have a great team, great leadership team, um, and, and just a, a great team of employees uh, that uh, you know, continue to, to run the company well, and um, yeah, it was sudden just jumping into it, uh, but I, with, with as much stress as it comes with, I, I, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. So.
2: But it's a lot of history to, to be the next generation and that sort of thing. That's going to yeah. feel good. What's the long-term plan for Keystone? What, any, any ideas there that you can share? Um,
1: continue on the, on the traje- trajectory we're on. Uh, we, we've started on a, a, a new but not new path of just helping, helping people find enjoyment in their work. Um, we are continuing to embrace the, the ideas and the teachings of uh, Edwards Deming. Um, if you're familiar with him, he is uh, uh, a statistician from the, uh, he he was the one who uh, went to Japan in the 50s and built their quality programs. You're, you're probably familiar with the, uh, you know, the Toyota quality oh, yeah, management I, I and spent all time that. with Shigeo Shingo um,
2: and... And he he was very and humble, and he said he learned a lot. So of it from
1: I Deming. I've learned a lot from uh, reading his his works and studying his works, and so part of our long term plan is uh, following the course of Edward Deming, um, helping our people find enjoyment in their work, helping our customers find enjoyment in their work, uh, and just continue, you know, to work on our efficiencies and quality,
2: and yeah. That sounds great, Nick. Well, I appreciate you coming on the, uh, the podcast today and uh, uh, look forward to, uh, I know you had a, a great plant tour uh, yesterday with uh, some of the folks from the Cabinet Makers Association. And I uh, uh, wish you a lot of luck going forward and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing uh, great things from Keystone. Looking forward. All right. Thanks, Will. Thank you. That's it for today. If you're looking for
0: more of our podcasts, you can find all of them at woodworkingnetwork.com podcasts and in popular podcast channels. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks again to today's sponsor, WoodPro Expo Florida and the Woodworking Network. If you have a comment or topic you'd like us to explore, contact me at will.sampson at woodworkingnetwork.com.